Thank you so much for welcoming me here tonight. As you heard, my name, my name is Phoebe, and I'm a slave, and I am a member of the household of Caius and Julia, who I'm sure you know, because they're such important people here in Colisee. And I'm so nervous as I have been asked to tell you more about our community. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you for welcoming me. I'd also like to tell you a little bit about my story as well, and, and maybe later on you can tell me something about yours as well, because I gather that even though we are far apart, we have so much in common. But first, let me tell you about my city. It's about two days' walk from Ephesus to um, Colossae. You go up the Lycus Valley, you might know the route. Our nearest city is Laodicea. It's just down the road, really. And there's another community of the way there being led by Sister Nympha. But I'll tell you more about her a little later. There are so many connections between Colosseum and Laodicea because we're all involved in the world trade. And everyone you meet has something to do with either the making of the world or the processing of it. Um, and, and so, again, maybe the clothes you're wearing have been made somewhere in our community. The story I'm going to tell you tonight is about something which started about two or three years ago. One night, the household was quite quiet, and then there was this knocking on the door. And this man came rushing in, and he called for Caius and Julia, and they met together. And I, of course, was there to wash his feet, but, you know, slaves always get to listen into the conversation a little bit as well. So I was trying really hard to hear what he was saying. He was so animated, and he, he just was speaking so fast, and the words were kind of falling out of his mouth, and, and he was talking about this man called Paul, which is a bit strange, because it turned out that Paul was a prisoner in Ephesus, and, and why would you talk about a prisoner? But then he was also saying things about Jesus, Jesus this, Jesus that, Jesus the other. I wasn't allowed to stay in the room. I had to keep going out, but every time I could, I would come back in, because I wanted to hear more. Somehow, he seemed so alive, and there seemed to be something different about him. Now, of course, looking back, I know and understand, but, but oh, I forgot to tell you, I forgot to introduce myself. I was born a slave, and I uh, was originally in Julia's mother's household. And then when Julia and Caius got married, I was given to them as a household, a member of their household. I look after things, and I tend to the children, and, and I, I'm always very busy. Julia is a good mistress, uh, but she used to be a little bit sharp. But quite honestly, she has seemed to get much softer over the last couple of years. It was just a few weeks after that first meeting with Epaphras when Caius and Julia called all the household together, they said they wanted to tell us what they had been learning. Since then, actually, we'd begun to know some other people from our town. A man called Onesimus and his master Philemon. They had come too. And, and this, though, was the first time where I heard who this Jesus was. And I heard his name. I heard it explained that he was, he was God, but he was a man that he'd lived and then he died and that he'd rose again and somehow he cared about me. Everybody knows, of course, about gods. I mean, in, in Colossae, everybody believes in various gods, but, but these are gods that we have to placate and, and we have to keep them, keep them quiet. And if we do something wrong, who knows what trouble might come on our city. But, but this was so different. This story about Jesus, who was God, and then man, and that he cared and loved about me, and the reason he became a man was because of me? 
this man Jesus who, who saw a new slaves. Encountering Jesus changed every single bit of my life. This apostle Paul writes letters, and, and he'd been helping us to learn as a small community how to grow as faithful followers of Jesus. And one of the most extraordinary things that he has said, well, most extraordinary to me anyway, was that he had written to another church in Galatians that he had said, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And this is something he said Jesus believed in. He said Jesus also said there was no male or female, no slave nor free. Honestly, really? I wonder if you've ever imagined what it's like to be a slave. I knew that you didn't have slaves here, so I was trying to imagine, and I, I was praying about this, and I'm kind of a visual sort of person, so God gave me this picture. I don't know if it'll be helpful to you. You know what it's like on market day when all the carts are coming in and out of town, and they're going along the roads, and you know those big potholes? I thought about a pothole which was maybe like person-sized and person-deep, and I imagined standing there in the pothole with the top of my head just peeping out and the carts all going backwards and forwards and dust everywhere and people kicking dirt into the hole and maybe spitting on me and throwing on me, and I couldn't get my arms out to get myself out of the hole. That's a bit what it's like being a slave. Nobody sees you. Nobody notices you. They just... Things just happen to you. Perhaps I'll give you another example, a real one this time. That was just a picture. But one of the things which is quite hard is that as a slave woman, I'm not allowed to cover my head when I go out. This is hard. Because that means that when I go to the market, anyone who sees me identifies me either as a slave or a prostitute. To be honest, that means that people can do anything they like to me when I go out, and I have no comeback. They can treat me any way they like, because I have no rights. One of the things Paul has said, and in fact he's insisted on, is that I should be allowed to cover my head when I go to market. Caius objected to begin with. He said she's only a slave. But Caius has begun to realize he has to respect me as a woman. And so now, not only am I allowed to wear a covering on my head, but he enc encourages me to do so. I can't tell you. I can't tell you what a difference it's made when I go out now. Sometimes I would come home before. It was unspeakable. But let me tell you some more about our community. There are about 20 or 30 of us now, and we gather all the households together when we come to worship. We'll sing songs of praise or maybe a psalm or two. People gather and they share words, something they've learned about Jesus or something they've read from the prophets. Everybody takes part. Everybody. Everybody. Men, women. Slaves, free. We're all encouraged to bring what God has given us to share in the community. This is so unbelievable. <laughs> and then we all eat together. Can you imagine that? I, I, sometimes I sit next to Julia or to her mother, and, and I, 
they, they share with me. They, they pass me the food. They ask me if I like it. Can you imagine? But there's more, so much more. Each one of us is given a gift of the Holy Spirit. And so within our community, everyone is expected to know what the Holy Spirit has given them as a gift and to operate in it. So, so I actually, as I said earlier, I quite often see things visually. So sometimes God gives me a word of knowledge for someone. It could even be for Caius. God speaks through me to him. And there are other people. There's my brother slave, and he has the gift of healing. So he prays for people, and they are healed. The things I have seen over these last couple of years, it's kind of extraordinary. And just this last week, Caius and Julia called us together and said that they're going to give the slaves their freedom. <laughs> I, I hope that they'll let me stay on and work here after that because I actually love the children and it's a good job and, and I love this community now, but it will change some things. But let me tell you about a letter which Paul recently wrote to our community. He wrote it to us and to Nympha's church in Laodicea and he said that it would be both of us and it would be helpful as we begin to grow and develop as a community, as we begin to tell other people about Jesus and this message of forgiveness. He recognizes that our culture has completely changed within our community and that we need guidance as to how we're going to move forward, how we are going to be different and separate from the world out there. How do we adjust to all this change? The letter started off like this. This is in a recent translation, I gather, in your language. Um, I, I hope it's helpful to you. It starts off, Paul, an apostle of King Jesus by God's purpose, and Timothy, my brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the king's faithful family, grace to you and peace from God our Father. God's holy people, the king's faithful family. He could so easily have just addressed the men or the leaders or the Roman converts or the Jewish believers, but he chose deliberately to say that we're all part of the king's faithful family. We're all holy people. Even me. Even me. I'm sometimes still kind of shocked when I'm included. It's so unfamiliar to be spoken to directly for people to ask me questions, to ask how I am, what, what I think about things. I'm allowed to have insights. But then Paul went on and he prayed that we would all experience grace and peace. Grace, the grace of being welcomed and known and valued and loved. The grace of knowing that I'm forgiven. The grace of being seen as human. That prayer for peace. Peace that builds up a community of love, that when we make mistakes, we're encouraged to keep going. That deep shalom of mutual respect, seen and experienced. The kind of peace which is turning upside down the stratification and hierarchy of the external culture and turning it all completely uh, topsy-turvy inside our community. No more patronage, no more hierarchy, the opportunity that we all get to give up our personal rights as we look for the good of the whole. Paul went on, and he said, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord, King Jesus, when we pray for you. He's praying for us, for me. 
because we've heard of your faith in King Jesus and the love you have for all God's holy people, because of the hope which is kept safe for you in the heavenly places. You heard about this before in the word of truth, the gospel which has arrived on your doorstep, even in Colossae, just as, in fact, it's producing fruit and growing in all the world as it has been among you. It's out there as well. It's spreading all over the place. You keep hearing about communities forming in all the local towns and villages. And then he goes on, from the day you heard it and came to know the grace of God in truth. Now listen carefully. He says, that's how you learnt it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow slave. He's a loyal and faithful servant of the king on your behalf. He it was who gave us the good news about your love in the spirit. Epaphras had come to know all about us and he was telling Paul, but did you see what he called Paul, Epaphras? He said he's a fellow slave. Paul's not a slave. What is he talking about? Well, this is the first time I began to realize that there are different kinds of slavery. I'm a physical slave. I belong to Caius and Julia. It's my legal status. But Paul seemed to be talking about something different, about being a spiritual slave. And then Paul's putting himself on a level with me right at the bottom of the social hierarchy, the lowest person. He says he's like me. This is crazy. And for someone in our community, this is pretty hard to adjust to. We're all trying really hard, asking God to help us all change our perspectives. But then Paul went on, and he said, For this reason, from the day we heard it, we haven't stopped praying for you. He knows this is going to be tough. We're asking God to fill you with the knowledge of what he wants in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This will mean that you'll be able to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the Lord, and so give him real delight as you bear fruit in every good work and grow up in the knowledge of God. I pray that you'll be given all possible strength according to the power of his glory so that you'll have complete patience and become truly steadfast and joyful. And then he goes on and he keeps praying and he says, I pray that you will learn to give thanks to the Father who has made you fit to share the inheritance of God's holy ones in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. He is the one in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Did you notice what he did there? He talked about us being slaves in a kingdom of darkness and then being transferred into the kingdom of God. And then we're not just servants. We are still servants of God in one sense, but we're heirs, heirs of the kingdom. <laughs> like a son or a daughter, we, we get to belong. We're not just there to, to do stuff. And that also that we'll get to look like him, we'll begin to resemble him. All those things that he prayed, he prayed that we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we'd be able to conduct ourselves well, that we'll give God delight, that we'll bear fruit, that we'll grow up in knowledge, that we'll be given strength. All of those things just make us look more like God, our Father. Can you imagine that? We're going to not only be in the kingdom, but we're going to get to look like God as we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to train us and change us and work in us so that we have all those attributes. Gosh, I want to be patient and steadfast and joyful. Don't you? And then he says he's the one in whom we have redemption. 
Now, as a slave, redemption means one thing only. It means when Caius actually signs over those papers and says that I am a free human being, that I'm no longer a slave. It's, it's a slave to freedom word. And so Paul is saying that we go from being slaves to being free. We get to inherit. It's quite extraordinary. Because even when Caius makes me free in a few weeks' time, which I hope he will if he keeps to his word, which he should do now because he's a follower of the way, etc., etc., um, I'll never inherit I'll never become his daughter. That's for his, his earthly children. I might just be free, and that changes my status a little bit. But Paul is saying that I will inherit in the kingdom of God. So Paul invites us to step out of the kingdom of darkness into this kingdom of light. Your kind pastor, Pastor Amy, thank you for your welcome, told me that when I finished speaking, if I ever finish speaking, because I do get very excited about this, that there'll, there'll be a moment or two of quiet. And, and I wonder if in that moment or two of quiet, you could ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you the way she speaks to me. Sometimes when I'm thinking about being in the kingdom of darkness, it, 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 you can look at the contrast of what it likes, looks like to be in the light. So, so like wanting to be patient. I don't know if any of you are ever impatient or if ever you're unjoyful, but why not ask the Holy Spirit to come and put his finger on those spaces and to say, why is it that you can be a little bit ratty, a little bit short with me? Why, 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 where are those places of pain? Because God wants to redeem those by your Holy Spirit coming and touching in them. And that happens not like the slow process of being redeemed as a slave. That happens just like this. Because you ask the Holy Spirit in and he will touch you. And he will minister to you. And you will be changed. Are you confident in your position as an heir of Christ? In the moment of quiet, why not ask? Ask to be shown what it means to be free. Free in his kingdom. To have your loyalty completely given to Jesus. I'm willing to learn all that I need to learn to make him pleased with him. To give him delight as I serve him, yes, but as a daughter, an heir of his kingdom. And so I would love to pray with you, if I may, as we go into that moment of quiet. May you know God's kingdom the way I do. May you know that joy. Let me pray for you. As Paul began his letter, so I pray for you, because you are part of the king's faithful family. And so I pray grace to you and peace from God our Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that no longer are any of us slaves in darkness. Thank you that you reach out your hand to us and you rescue us. You redeem us by the power of Jesus, by the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And you call us to step out of that darkness to be an heir in the kingdom of light. And that you're making us fit to share the inheritance of God's holy ones in the light. Will you help us to identify those places where we prefer to stay in the darkness, which sometimes we do. Sometimes those habits, those addictions, those places where we go for comfort are too hard to let go of. Why do we do that, Lord? Why do we stay in the dark when we can be in the light? Please help us. Help us to relinquish, 
to let go of things which don't belong in your kingdom. Whether it be physical things, emotional things, habits, lies that we've accepted, that we've kept. And then teach us how to be free, how to delight in that freedom, and how to long to grow, to look more like you, to be steadfast, joyful, loving. Please will you equip us with all the gifts of your Holy Spirit. I pray for our community, this community, that we might know the gifts of healing, gifts of knowledge, gifts of prophecy, gifts of worship, gifts of teaching, preaching, gifts that you give, that we might be a com community which heads outwards into the world to welcome other people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Amen.